up. Recording. Okay, I think we're good. First of all, I'm going to start by asking you questions. Oh crap! Okay. Have you finished the game? Have you played it yet? Are you are you are you done with it? Did you complete it? Are you? Wait, have you played it? I hope you play it till the end and let us know. You, you've played you've played the whole game. I finished it last night at like two a.m. Oh, you did. Uh, so I probably should have left that. Um, I clocked a little under thirty, I think, when all was said and told. Yeah. And what are your thoughts? Uh, I mean, this is just where it just sounds like a, a fanboy. It's incredible. But overall, overall, you liked it. That's an understatement, my friend. Okay, that's it, good. It, it, it was incredible. Absolutely. I, I can't believe it was a PlayStation 4 game. Like, I don't know what you all did. Every moment I was like, well, this is a beautiful game. And then I get to a new set piece in a new area and I'd be like, this is a beautiful game. Like, I couldn't. <laughs> the amount of times I played around in photo mode too before realizing I should let a professional do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Welcome back to the official The Last of Us podcast. I'm Christian Spicer. Up until this point, we've been covering the story of the first game with the people who made it. But now we're moving on to the second game. And these next few episodes are going to be a bit different. Instead of the beat-by-beat conversations we had for part one, in these next four episodes, we'll be doing a larger overview of the making of and really hone in on our two main protagonists, Ellie and Abby. You're still going to get insight from Neil, Ashley, and Troy, but you're also going to get to hear from part two co-writer Hallie Gross, the voice of Abby, Laura Bailey, and many other people behind this new installment of The Last of Us. The game's been out for a few weeks now, so we've all had a chance to play it, but please know there are going to be spoilers in these discussions. Proceed at your own risk. When did you know that you were going to make a part two? Yeah, there's, um, there isn't like this one moment necessarily. Like as we're making the first game, where we haven't even finished the first game, you start like really understanding these characters and who they are and what makes them tick. And you can't help but think about their lives outside of that story, whether it's before or after. And like in my mind, Joel's arc was pretty much done. I didn't know where else to take that character. But with Ellie, there was, it felt at least at the time, like it's, it's going to be ripe for all these other stories. And then we finished production. Um, we were, we already had like an outline for Left Behind. Um, that I, f- I finished that outline before we finished actually The Last of Us Part 1. So I knew exactly when this finishes, here's the, what the, this DLC is going to be. But at the same time, I started thinking about ideas for the next game. And a lot of them were very plot driven. Like it was like, okay, what's a cool situation to put Ellie in? And it was like, oh, what if she heard someone else was immune and she's going to go on this journey to find this other person that's immune? And, um, and none of them like... It felt like interesting, again, from a plot standpoint, interesting twists and turns, and you can do a lot of fan service. Joel's going to chase her, and now they're going to be teamed up together, and the lie is going to come into play because of what she's after. But it felt like it, it was missing the thing that I think was successful in the first game, which is this emotional heart, this like very simple universal concept of love. Can we make you feel the unconditional love a parent feels for their child? And I was like, without that, I felt like it, it's just, it could be an exciting story, 
but it won't capture that emotional resonance that the first game had. And then kind of left it for a while and then came back to it with this concept of of hate, of this, again, this very universal feeling that we all people experience, which is just deep hate where you're willing, in your mind, you're willing to commit horrible acts of violence against another human being. Like I lived in a civilized society, you know, I'm, I, I considered myself to be a pretty easygoing guy and my mind was easily able to go there from people I don't even know. Now, what would happen if something like that happened to someone I love? How far would my mind kind of go down this downward spiral? And is there coming back from that? And all these interesting philosophical questions started bubbling up and it felt like, again, this universal emotional truth. And I was like, this is it. This is that, that core I've been searching for and haven't been able to find. And once I had that, everything fell into place. And I mean, like within like a couple of weeks, I had the rough outline that is pretty close to what the final game ended up being. So by the time I was talking to Ashley Johnson and telling her the story of Left Behind, we met up in a restaurant and I was like, okay, that we got that story. And she was like asking all these questions. She was really intrigued by it. And then I was like, okay, I have this other story for you. Like, it's really rough. And I walked her through that story. And like, by the end, she's like crying and people are looking at us all weird in this restaurant. <laughs> um, but it she felt like- She throws her water on your face and walks out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was the first validation that there was like seeing her reaction. Um, that was a validation that there was something there to keep developing. There was a- part of me that was go thinking going in, maybe call me cynical as well. Just like, I'm sure this will be great, but mm -hmm. you know, like it can't, it can't live up to it. It, it. There's no way. And then as it, the chapters or, you know, the moments clicked away, it's just, it's, it's stunning. And, and the best way I can compare it, and I don't mean this to sound um, just full of hyperbole, but it's, it's kind of like, I have two kids. I love them both completely. I don't have a favorite. Like mm -hmm. they, they both bring something new to the table. And I think for me, the magic of the story of, of part two is that it does, it brings something new to the table. It's not the expected sequel. It's not um, safe. It's, it's challenging. I found myself not liking what was happening. Mm -hmm. I found myself questioning why these characters are in these situations and what I would do if I were them. And and I found myself needing to put the controller down and walk away only two moments later, be like, I, okay, I gotta, <laughs> I, gotta I, I gotta get back to this. I gotta see. Um, and I think what struck for me was that it is through this generation now that this is the world they know. Mm -hmm. This violence, this perpetual fear, the old world never existed for them. While in part one, with Joel as the main protagonist, I kept seeing the world through what was lost. And now there's this whole group of young adults who never knew that and seeing their world and, and their life was, was very powerful for me. What's up with all these posters? It's a bunch of comics. Wait, what was happening here? A gathering for people who were really into this stuff. Like you, basically. We were born in the wrong time, man. First of all, thank you. Those are very nice thoughts. Your analogy to having two kids is great. I wish I had that at the beginning of production to describe it to the team. Um, I don't know if there was ever a conscious decision actually to say, okay, now we're just gonna view the world 
through people that have never experienced our world. It just kind of happened. Um, the reason also we went with like late teens, early 20s, it's like people in that age feel invincible um, and they feel righteous and they feel like they understand how the world works. And it was, it's, it's a, you know, it's a maturation plot, like, like Ellie and Abby and all these people evolve through these horrible acts. My name is Hallie Gross, and I am the co-writer and narrative lead on The Last of Us Part Two. So I got hired to be a writer on the game with Neil, and I was brought in super early to help him break the story, outline it, figure out scenes and characters and the whole shebang. And then I ended up getting the narrative lead title like two years into my role at Naughty Dog um, when I started to take on sort of larger responsibilities and basically being Neil's tiny loudmouthed shadow. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was the collaboration process like? You mentioned it a little bit. So I think Neil and I have like very, very similar tastes. We agree, uh, I would say on like 80% of things. So a lot of it was trying to just plus each other and go, okay, we'd identify a problem to solve or, you know, uh, a narrative thing that we wanted to figure out in a day or in an hour or in a 10 minute stretch. And then we would just keep trying to find the best, most interesting version, something you haven't seen before or something that feels on theme or true to character. And there was very little ego about it. It was just whoever's idea we both thought was best, that would be the one that ended up on the card. And then, um, you know, when we opened that conversation up to more people in the studio, there was also the like, okay, we're going to try and sell you on this idea and pitch you on this idea. But a lot of great ideas came from designers and artists and it was very much about like opening the circle up progressively bringing in cooler ideas better ideas ideas that worked more with the fact that we were making a game not a movie or a tv show um you know mechanics that wanted to get involved uh scenes or settings that wanted to get explored and building it holistically so mostly, yeah, I think Neil and I started out relatively polite with each other. But by the end, you know, it's just us yelling at each other that the other one is stupid, but still going, OK, but that was a good idea. Fine, fine, <laughs> fine. <laughs> so what was that transition then like from traditional screenplay writing to game writing? And, and kind of what was that like for you? Well, there's um, a couple different facets to get into. But I'd say just on the writing front, initially, it was very, very similar. I have come up in rooms and breaking stuff collaboratively. So when I walked in, Neil had these big tentpole kind of ideas of the story, some of which have radically changed. And so my job was that connective tissue and helping him sort of find the vision that he wanted. So I just carted stuff up on a board. We started pitching ideas to each other, throwing things out, trying things on. And so all of that felt really similar to writing a 10-episode season of television. It started to get different when, you know, when we broke it out, we didn't think about gameplay versus cinematic beats or narrative beats. We just said, what's the story arc? And... Obviously, you have to keep in mind, like, okay, we've got to figure out how to have a lot of enemies that you kill, but we weren't thinking in terms of gameplay. So then uh, once he and I had shapes that we felt were, like, close, we would bring in some designers. My name is Kurt Marganow. I'm a co-game director on Last of Us Part Two. 
My name is Anthony Newman, and I am the co-game director on The Last of Us Part Two. I'm curious if we could step back a little bit, and if you could just talk a little bit about what, and maybe specifically at Naughty Dog, or more generally if you'd like, but what game directing is, and what that role is, and, and what you do in it. Yeah, that's definitely one that is going to be different for every studio. I guess on the highest level, the way 